It's my thoughts good. Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by the one, the only, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. Today, I catch up with Cub members Matt Mosley and Pete Liston to discuss how to apply military decision-making to the business world to your business. Matt and Pete both served in the Australian Army for 12 years where they were deployed and in command of troops in Afghanistan and East Timor. Matt and Pete shared with me and with you the principles of war and how they relate to the business world, um, the military planning and how we can execute that in our business, and mission command, which is basically the best way to delegate to your team and how to create a well-functioning team. It was a fascinating conversation. So enjoy the show. And we're live. Welcome to the show, Pete and Matt. How are you guys going? Good, mate. Good. Happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah great. Thanks, mate. It's brilliant. 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 Well, I've heard tons about you from Calvin. I've only had the privilege of meeting you once, I believe, uh, quickly in the in the clubhouse. So I really want to start today by getting to know you a lot better uh, so our members and our listeners can too. You're obviously both the military men who are now uh, transferring your skills from the military into business. Um, so I'm particularly excited to, to learn that. But why don't you guys uh, tell us about um, um, your, your current business, uh, which is uh, tr- trust the process. Um, and give us a bit of a background about that, and then we'll dive into your stories. Yeah, awesome. I, I suppose to start off, you know, trust the process. Basically, uh, we help businesses systemize to automate, and basically that builds a business that um, can run without the business owner. So it's very important, and you see it, you know, time and time again, the amount of you know business owners out there who just are so busy they have no time in the day. We really help them set up a system where their business can run without them and let them free up their time so they can focus on, you know, the other things that matter in business. And what type of business do you specialize in? Are there particular sizes of companies, particular industries, or it's just transferable across all? Because it's, tra- it's like most organizations, it's transferable across all. Uh, generally, B2B businesses have the better outcomes, you know, when you actually have more detail in your processes and systems. Uh, generally, probably up to about 10 million. Uh, revenue would be what we'd specialize in. I mm-hmm. think once you've probably pushed beyond 10 million, you'd probably be looking for a, a bigger firm than us. So, but we really look at taking people that right at that threshold where they've hit their glass ceiling of the solopreneur, they're wearing all the hats. How do we strip that away for them and get them out of the way of their own success? Yeah, very much is that, that first, yeah, up to the first 10 million of revenue where you are, uh, you are trying to take that step back out of the business where you kind of operate and you get into that five years of business and you're kind of like, okay, well, it's functioning without me. I, I really need to formalize that. And uh, how do you actually do it? What's the process? So let's say I've joined, I've come up with, I've come to you guys and said, hey, make me military proof. <laughs> well, like, how does it work? What do you do? Well, having said that, it is having long military careers, we apply the best of that logic into small businesses. And basically the military is able to do very complex things seemingly easy and it's built on a big backbone of policy and procedures and systems and training Uh, and it's very precise and decisive how it goes through those steps. So the way we do it, we basically step uh, off by mapping a business. 
you know, we map it out from when people don't even know who you are through the levels of, you know, being aware and then interested into a sales process through to actually what they do from an operational delivery. So for us, it's about sequencing a business first because every business is purely they start somewhere and end somewhere else. So if we can map that sequence to start, then we can go and actually understand what people do and then we can get into the detail of prioritizing the value of their time particularly. And by mapping the sequence, are you talking about understanding the operations of the business? So from uh, kind of like a customer life cycle or customer journey or? Yeah, it's pretty much similar to that. It's a journey that, you know, the business takes to get, uh, you know, so to get a lead in the door mm-hmm. all the way to get it out and get, you know, the, the, the product delivered. So it could be, you know, it's different depending on the industry, but it's just basically tracking that journey. So how do you go from, from marketing to sales then to operations then to finance and, and flowing it along that area and mapping it out because so many business owners out there and you'll see it, they know their business, it's in their mind, but it's not documented anywhere. Mm-hmm. So they can't, they can't go back and review it. They can't make changes to it or they can't make changes to it easily. So by doing that, we map it out and we give them a product where they can actually see their business um, pretty much on a document or you know, we use looser charts. Um, and that way they can look at their business and they can go, all right, these are the changes I want to make or these are the things I need to fix. And then from there, it gives them that starting point. Especially early stage business. They haven't got their operation manuals down packed. And uh, do you work with them on their reporting? Do you, do you help them build their reporting? Because it's all well and good when you've got um, an operation system, but uh, if you haven't got a, a systemized reporting system, you can't really measure anything. I suppose first before we do that, we help them give the framework for their business and then we help them set up the operating procedures, so SOPs. Mm-hmm. So basically the idea from there is they have the ability oh, to – Sorry, then, SOP? What's oh, that? Standard Operating Procedure. Okay. So that's a military Is that term. a military thing? <laughs> yeah, so basically, you know, you'll have an operations manual and within your operations manual you'll have all your standard operating procedures. Yeah. Um, and so we help them build that because with those procedures, once you have them, it means that you can bring in staff, you can delegate, you have a, a manual that isn't in your mind so you can pick it up and you can pass it on to someone else – and then you've got a product that can be um, replicated. replicated. So that's the first thing you do. You map the business out. Then what do you do? We reflect that map through a system. And the easiest system to reflect that through is a CRM. So basically this is the first step of systemizing a business is if you can effectively transition that map into a CRM, we can now track and measure and report on the effects of the CRM through the business. So we always say that a business owner should run the system and the system should run the business. And do you have a particular CRM you prefer using or? Yeah, we use a couple, but probably at the moment Active Campaign is okay. the main one that we're using. Yep. Um, we don't have shares in it. They're doing quite well, but uh, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a good um, complete CRM. Um, they have a, a really strong EDM function, really strong automations. They integrate Popular with our marketing members. They all love it. Yeah, yeah. I think they just raised like 100 mil Did they? a couple months back. So they've got a lot of big things coming in. Um, and we find it just very powerful to, to create that system um, around the business. And so you implement it in the CRM and then what's the next step? Well, once we implement it in the CRM, then it's really about delegation and automation. So the business owners, they need to be there's – there's always more to do than can ever be done. So we need to help the business owners get themselves into the space where they're operating at their, at their highest value. And so really the goal is come into the business and structure it in a way that it – can operate um, independently of the of the owner and then help the owner manage or, or have it set up so that they're able to manage it. And then you step back and and uh, move to the next. Is that correct? Yeah, it's just about building a business that you know removes the owner from the day-to-day. 
because obviously there's so many more things to be done, like strategy, sales. But if you're worrying about has an invoice been sent, then you haven't set your business up correctly. Yeah. And and what what is military got with that? What what's the what's the gist? How are they how are they related? Why does it why does it transfer? Well, I guess we learned that lessons ourselves is when we first went into business out of the military, we got to about $400,000 a year revenue and it was really laborious and tough and we were just trying to do everything ourselves and we, we actually sat back and reflected and we're like, why are we struggling at doing something so simple here where we used to be able to do things really complex? And what we reflected on is that we didn't have those standard operating procedures, we didn't capture clear, concise how-to guides, control, simplicity and consistency. They're the three things that we really focus on. How as a business owner can you control your business? How do we do it as simple as possible and then repeat it consistently until we learn? I love that. And and, and what was the business you were just talking about? Because that wasn't this business. That was a pr- prior yeah. one. Yeah, our first business, um, funnily enough, called Secure Windows. And yeah. the thing I love about this story is Pete actually heard about a change in legis- legislation on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so he came to me and said, hey, look, let's start a business and this is a great opportunity. And what it was is basically – New South Wales government passed legislation to say that every single window in New South Wales above the second story needed a safety device on it to stop kids falling out of windows. And you found out about that and you thought, let's start a business that does that. Yeah, look, I was driving home, I heard it on the radio and as I was driving home I was like, there's a lot of windows in Sydney. (laughs) So, you know, it it sat a little – it took a little while for us to kick it off but then when we kicked it off that was really our launch pad out of the military and the start of our business journey. Amazing. Well, we'll get back into that and go into a bit more detail about it because I'd love to hear the, the transition from the military to the to the um, uh, what was it called again? The lock and the window uh, secure windows. Secure windows. Um, why don't you take us way back? How did you meet? Yeah, so we're both uh, Duntroon classmates. So what does that mean? Basically, it is a leadership college um, institution for people who go into the military, into the army specifically and become officers. So just to really break it down, there's two streams when you go into the military or or into the army specifically, you've got soldiers Mm -hmm. and you've got officers. So officers are managers where soldiers will be there and they'll be sort of the doers. Go whoop uh, some ass. Yeah. They'll be probably doing more of the cool stuff where the officers are there doing paperwork and things like that. Or making sure they can do the cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, basically we met at, at, um, Duntroon, mm-hmm. probably. Well, how do you say it? What's it called? Duntroon. Duntroon. Yeah, Duntroon. Royal Military College of Duntroon. Okay. Uh, down in Canberra. So cool. Um, it's quite a, cr- it's a crazy place to be honest. It's sort of, the only way I can describe it is sort of like a military Hogwarts. Like okay. everyone's got companies <laughs> and you're running around. There's all these weird traditions and, you know, coming from, I, I was 18 when I joined and it was, it was, it was pretty weird, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And yeah, we met, met there. Um, I think we're in different classes and, you do your 18 months and at the end of it you get allocated a, a core, um, which is a job, and we both were allocated to logistics. So you do 18 months in Duntron. Duntron, yeah. <laughs> and then and then you get so they, they check what you're best at. This guy's good at that. This guy's good at that. This is your job in the military. Is that how it works? It's actually pretty brutal. Um, they, they literally – you get to allocate a core that you want to go to or a job mm-hmm. you want to go to and then based off performance and all that, they allocate. And the way they do it, it's – Pretty funny. So I was pretty young when I went through. I probably wasn't the best cadet yeah. and I definitely didn't get the job I wanted to do up front. And the way they do it is they get everyone into a room and they just go, all right, everyone's going to do this job and they just put a list up of the 20 people going to that job and then they flash to the next, flash to the next. And so the job you want comes up and your name's not there, that's how you find out. And oh. so this is this is what shapes the rest of your military career. Um, and so I, I sort of found out I went to logistics 
which is, you know, it was a, it's been a great job, but it wasn't my first choice. But I always well, find What was fun. your first choice? I think I wanted to go to infantry or, or armoured. It was because you're 18, you're full of testosterone. 18, and yeah, I want to go shoot guns yeah, and do shoot that. Some <laughs> and, but, and, and so, Matt, you're, you're uh, obviously a bit younger than Petey. Um, just a little just bit. A bit. And it's, but you joined the army at the same time. Yeah, so I joined at 29. So I was actually a farmer before I joined the army. Uh, in a moment of madness, decided to, uh, you know, be all I can be and then rocked up at Duntroon at the age of 29. So it's a, it's a funny environment. It's a very alpha kind of environment. It's, you know, probably 80, 90% guys, but the girls in there that are amazing as well. But yeah. it's fearless in terms of its, um, the way it, Tests and analyzes everybody, and there's a pecking order, and you know exactly where you are in the pecking order. And it, does that pecking order bring a level of calmness or stability, or you don't have to think so much because you know there's an order in place? Or it's how would you describe? How would you describe? Why does it? Be, so you know how the army's so strict. There's this person listens to this person listens to this person. Why does that work? Why is it that way? Well, I suppose when they first bring you in, the idea is to sort of not break you down but get you to a point of, of thinking and being able to take orders because the army isn't for everyone. You know, a lot of people wouldn't like, you know, someone screaming at them and telling them to do things and go away and go here and do that but a lot of people are fine with it. So I think first and foremost they try to bring you back down to a normal level but the problem is in the military it's a different type of person. They're highly competitive. They love sports. You know, they love competing. They want to get in and, and be better than each other and that's what sort of drives the military up to the level that it is mm. um, because these people are always trying to be the best. It's the character of person you reckon. Absolutely. Yeah, look, there's, it's, it's really a, a very interesting environment and the dynamic of how these people get together but high performing, everybody's out there to do their best. Um, we're all competing but it's a supportive competition. It's mm. not step on your mate to lift yourself up. Um, it's a brotherhood. It's excelling yourself. Or, really, yeah. Brotherhood, absolutely. The military would, would probably kick you out if you were seen to be doing that because it's built that way as well with the culture. So if you were seen Sorry, kick a, you out if you're seen to be doing what? Sorry, if you were like stepping on your mate. So oh, there's actually yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a term in the military called going jack. That's that guy. You so, don't want to be yeah, So jack. you'd be like, you know, Pete went down the shop, got a coffee, didn't get me one, comes back in the office. I'm like, oh, you jack. Okay. And so that type of thing is like culturally is looked upon, you know, is frowned upon in the military. So they don't want you to be selfish, even though they want you to be competitive. They don't want you to be like stomping on each other to get ahead. It's such, it's such a, it's quite incredible. I, I could relate <laughs> the military. I seem to relate everything to Cub in this podcast, but I can relate the military to Cub in that it's a very strong community. It's a very strong culture. You're, what's expected of you in the place is understood. Now, obviously, I, I would highly doubt that Cub's anywhere near to the to the stage of development as a community that the military is. But how do you think that the military creates that kind of culture that? That, that camaraderie and how can business owners implement that? Number one, it's shared experience. Okay, so when you go through experiences with other people, you get dirty with them, you don't sleep with them, you know. So by that I mean you stay out for days and days and days and do <laughs> activities. Um, getting a bit dirty. Getting dirty. <laughs> so but it's about that shared experience and this is where as, um, you know, veteran business owners and when we meet at Cub and we you know, meet with other people, that shared experience that we've, now I understand your journey and it's a really strong um you know, start point for doing business together. So you think that uh, a trigger towards bonding is going is experiencing something together? Yeah. Is that what you mean by shared experience? 100%. You, I suppose a way to like relate it, like if with army mates, I could go 10 years without seeing an army mate. Mm. Um, and then if I see him, it's not like awkward, you know, like sometimes a CV mate, you might like, oh, hey, bro. Yeah. Like with an army mate, it's just like you haven't, you know, it hasn't been a day. Because the way that the army system works as well, you're always posting, you're always going somewhere, you're always deploying. So it's very common that you've got a best mate 
you know, where you are and you maybe living up in Townsville or Darwin mm. and then all of a sudden he posts to Sydney you don't see him for five years. And what else does the army do to, to create that sort of culture, to create those bonds? There's a lot of social side as well as the shared ex- – like number one, they, there's a lot of adventure training activities where it's perceived risk versus actual risk and that could be like skydiving or caving or, you know, whether it be certain use of weapons. Um, at the same time, there's a very strong social aspect as well. So as officers, we have the officers' mess – and it's like compulsory fun. Like every Friday, four o'clock, you're down there to socialise with your peers. Mm-hmm. And that's where the sort of the, the more of the, the bonds are socially um, brought together. Um, and that really applies later on when it comes to doing operational activities. What about the, um, what about the necessity for each other? You know, let's say I'm uh, infantry and you're, in the, uh, you're an officer. Yeah. I almost rely on you for my life because... It's yeah. like, well, if you fuck your job up, and that would very well get shot. And that's built from the start. Like mateship, you know, teamwork and, you know, camaraderie are some of the biggest sort of attributes with being in the military. Um, and, and you really – it's really impressed upon you to make sure that, you know, you work together and, you know, obviously me and Pete were, legit, you know, were loggies or mm. logisticians. Um, so what it's called in the middle Yeah, I don't know my logo, or, lingos. Or probably a pogue as well they'll call yeah. you. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's that? Like derogatory. It's meant, sort of meant to uh, post it on Garrison. Okay. So obviously all, all the you got the war fighters, so they're all the rock stars and yeah. then you got the pogues. So. You're yeah, the pogues. <laughs> yeah. We're the pogues. Yeah, I love it. the blanket folders or something <laughs> like that. Hey, but, you being a pogue right now, we're in a pretty nice uh, position. Looking so. pretty good, yeah. yeah. It's looking pretty good. But um, yeah, I suppose it all comes down to teamwork and really like building that community. So to put it into terms of business, you know, if you have staff, like how do you bring them in and make make them part of your team? You know, are you including them in things? Are you making them feel like they're, they're worthy? Because with soldiers, you want to make them, you know, you want to give them the ability to make decisions. You want to give them ability to work together and really feel like you're doing it not just for yourself because, you know, a lot of guys in operations, they don't want to let – they're not as worried about letting themselves down as they are about letting their mates down because mm. they don't want to be the weak link in the chain. Mm. Yeah, because it's funny. People, I mean, their number one priority is – normally themselves but if you're able to make that priority um or incorporate others as the priority yeah as a unit is something greater than yourself is the priority that's when you you they're not just working to not let themselves down they're working to not let others down and that's when you have a truly effective team and 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 just quickly because i've been dying to ask you but we keep going what made you join and i want to ask each of you individually because you joined different stages of life why did you join the army? Oh, Matt. I don't know. Spot, spot your cliche at the time, I think. I was probably 17 when I first looked into it and, you know, I was living in Penrith and yeah. I think I just wanted to get out and do something different. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was at uni at the time, but, yeah, I just sort did of, you Did you study know, at uni? What did you I was study? doing, yeah, oh God, I, I think I got a 64 UAI, which is about your, your bottom level UAI. <laughs> um, I think I could get into social science or teaching and I went and did social science, so – and I think I was doing Psych 1A, 1B and it just I had no idea why I was even doing it. Yeah. So I just applied for the army one day and then, you know, went through <laughs> it. All of a sudden got in. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, just sort of joined up and don't regret it at all. But, yeah, here I am today. A great decision. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a great decision. I'd recommend it to, to most people, not everyone. But, you know, if you're unsure what you want to do um, or you do want a, a lifestyle, you can get out, go have fun, make good mates and see the world, definitely. I'm pro when countries have the – not uh, what's like Israel when you get put into the army the first three years. Yeah, they make you force you into the army the first three years. Like whether or not you're going to war or not, 
you're going to learn so many life skills. You're going to mature at a much greater level. You're going to learn teamwork and and there's so many things that the army could teach you. I, I'm a pro at all. If I was a, president, a prime minister of Australia, I'd probably try and work that one into the books. But and and and, and Pete, what about yourself? Uh, like I said, it was a moment of madness. I was working on a farm in central Queensland. What did you fail before you? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Matt actually beat me in my TA, uh, my UAO or TR at the time. Um, I wanted to join the army early, but uh, without going into detail, I had a bit more of an alternate lifestyle that wasn't quite suited to uh, the army culture at the mm-hmm. time. So I needed to work through a bit more of my youth before I was mature enough to join in my own respect. What was that? You're a bit of a hippie, were you? Yeah, a bit of a hippie without <laughs> going into too much detail, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it got to the point where I was working in central Queensland and I visited a mate in Townsville who was in the army and it was just enough of a catalyst or a spark to say it's time to do it. So I just basically literally drove my caravan to Canberra. <laughs> you really were. I, I was living in a caravan on a farm at the time and <laughs> I drove it to drove it to Canberra and joined the army. And and would you say that that decision was probably one of the best decisions you've ever made in your life? Uh, it absolutely no doubt because it's given me the confidence to be able to really achieve anything. You know, the experience that the experiences that I've had both working within teams within army uh, both in Australia and on operations abroad, um, have given me the confidence to come back and say there is really nothing that we can't do. Would you we... say that's the, the the number one lesson you learned from the army? Well, I learned a lot of lessons from the army in terms of how to you know, structure and systemize and how to lead. The most important lesson, the, the thing that if I took one thing away, I can only take one thing away, this is it. Um, self-confidence and belief in myself would be it. Yeah, That's, you know, to be able to put in – to be able to command soldiers overseas and to be given that ultimate responsibility mm-hmm. um, and to come back was really self-confidence. Would you say, Matt, that's similar to yours? Or it's would you pretty say- similar. Like from my view, I was uh, by the time I finished Duntroon, I, I think I was 19 or 20 mm-hmm. and I'm rocking up to my first platoon. Um, platoon's generally 30 to 50 people and I was in charge and I was probably the youngest person there. Wow. And the military empowers you to do that. I definitely made a lot of mistakes. I might not have been the best platoon commander out, but I learned a lot, of, I learned a lot from the, that experience and I'll take that with me forever um, mm-hmm. because I know that, you know, if you get thrown in the deep end, you know, a failure doesn't mean that you're going to fail forever. It just means you can learn from it. Mm-hmm. And then I definitely learned from, learned from a lot of those things I did early. So, yeah, definitely self-confidence is, is a big one. The, having self-confidence is the most important thing. It, it's, the first, uh, it's the first ingredient to the recipe of success. If you haven't got that ingredient, you're screwed anyway. You're not going to accomplish anything. You don't believe you personally can accomplish it, so it's not going to happen. When you believe that and you do something in your life that shows that you're able to do that, it gives you that confidence in yourself, then anything's possible. Because someone's always done Someone's always done it. You know what I mean? There's, we're not the first people being successful at whatever it is we do. Someone else has done it. So if they've done it, it's possible and we can do it too. They obviously had the confidence to do it. So if we had the confidence, if I have the confidence to do that, I believe I can. I believe I can Absolutely. do that. That's the key. It Secret. allows us to bounce back as well. You know, it allows you to take a few hits. Yeah. Uh, as long as you maintain maintain the course and you know where you're going for, uh, you'll get there in the end. I'm not saying that. not saying it's easy, but you just yeah. you keep you keep applying the course. It's like business. You get punched in the face over <laughs> and over again. You got to keep rolling with the punches, <laughs> slip a couple, and then fire back a shot and. Eventually, maybe around around <laughs> round five or six, yeah, you 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 have a second win. You start coming back and and you hire you guys to step out of your business so that it can run better. Yeah, I love and, it. <laughs> and so you got out of the army. How long are you in the army for? We did about eleven or twelve years, roughly. Yeah. Oh, you long time. Yeah, a little bit. Big chunk <laughs> of your life. And and so what? When when was the time to get out? 
I guess army is the best job I ever had. But when you've, for us, we both had the itch to scratch to go and pursue entrepreneurial um, dreams. Mm-hmm. And we got to the point where it was, well, number one, I was getting posted out of Sydney and I really enjoy living in the eastern suburbs. <laughs> so I got posted to Wagga Wagga, which it was time for you me to pogue. go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he nailed it. Sydney you know, he never left Sydney. I, I was getting pushed pogue. all over the place. He was in Sydney the whole time. So I was quite comfortable um, in the eastern suburbs here. And, and to be honest, there, so just, there, came a, <laughs> there just came an itch I couldn't stop. I just had to scratch it. And so, Pete, you were really the, the instigator. You were saying, hey, Matt, let's go start this business. I think what's worked really well with Matt and I is that we're both very different. Mm. Um, there's a well, number one, both having, again, that shared experience and you know, being classmates and going through Army together. There's an implicit trust, you know, in terms of uh, we never talk about money problems. We never have issues in terms of you're do, you're doing too much work or you're not doing too much work. Or I was very cheeky last year when I booked a <laughs> seven week trip to Europe without asking Matt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <And> cheeky. <laughs> he actually didn't complain, which was nice. Um, but we're both Put on that a, in the back pocket for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah like save it up. <laughs> but we're on a common path, and you know, you now we're in it together, and we're just going to push on through. And and um, so 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 what happened? You said so you found out about this window legislation. I don't know, reading the paper or how to just happen? gave it a go, really, wasn't it? Yeah, so he, he basically he heard about it on the radio, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. Like the thing about this, like secure windows, we turned it into a multi-million dollar company. Mm. We had 30 staff, like <laughs> almost eight staff in the Philippines. When we first started it, we knew no, we knew nothing about the industry. So it's it's all through strata. Yeah. We knew nothing about locks. We knew nothing about safety in terms of apart from like OHS in the army. Yeah. I still to this day can barely use a drill. <laughs> Don't point your gun at people. Yeah. Yeah, Keep well, it on a lot. Don't put your drill on. So yeah. we like we just sort of jumped in and funnily enough we used the military appreciation process, um, which is basically a, a planning methodology that the military uses when they go into any operation or any mm-hmm. sort of tactical or strategic exercise. Mm-hmm. And we use that and we put it into play for secure windows. So to like break it down, for example, you know, one of the first steps is enemy analysis. So we're not saying that we're going to go out and like who's shooting back at us, but in business it's who are your competitors. Mm-hmm. That's your enemy analysis. So you look at that and you can analyze them and you can sort of build it from there. Should we should we focus uh, on the military appreciation uh, process? Sh- should we focus on that process right now? We had we we're going to talk about it a bit later on, but should we really dive into it? Yeah, let's have a go. Let's do it. Well, use your business as the example, the uh, s- s- safety windows. What's the process? How, take us through the process, how you did it and, and how, other, how our listeners and members can do it. The military appreciation process, um, and anyone can Google it if you want to use this in your own business, it's just simply a, a staged methodology. The first thing we want to do is understand what our mission is and have a clear uh, understanding of what, where we're going to and what we're looking to do. So in business we would potentially say that's vision, mission and values. Okay, mm-hmm. Where are we going as a business and what do we need to actually achieve? So you need an end goal. We need an end goal. Now, and, and we've got to maintain that, you know, like from a start point is where are we even going in the first place? So if we can be absolutely decisive and very prescriptive on what we're looking for, it's far easier to maintain focus on getting there. Yeah. Second step, um, environmental analysis. So again, you know, in the military, it might be what the terrain's like. Um, in business, you can approach that very differently. It's like what is my environment looking like? You know, what are the laws um, who are the organizations? Who are the people that are present? What is the environmental picture and looking at it, you know, holistically mm. that I need to be aware of to be able to take these steps forward? So there's like your competitor analysis is your industry analysis. A little more industry. Competitor comes next when we do threat. Next. Okay. So this is about- Oh, I like that. Yeah, this is about just putting it all together and just understanding the environment that you're operating in. So, you know, 
what do I have to deal with? Who sits where? Who are the governing bodies? Yeah. And then putting that down, and, and you know, and you obviously put it into fancy, you know, Excel spreadsheets and things yeah. like that. But then you, you jump to the next step, like you were saying, um, which is which is threat analysis. Um, so looking at who your competitors are, analyzing them, what price points are they sitting at? You know, understanding what products they offer. And so for us with Secure Windows, at the time when it was a new law, there wasn't that many competitors out there, but there were a few, and we probably modeled a lot of what we did off, you know, what they did. Yeah, what they were know, doing. You know, imitation's the best, best form of flattery. Yeah. So we definitely did a bit of that. And can you tell me? Can, can you explain to me the environmental analysis? Um, can you explain what was the environment for the windows, so we can have a better understanding of what you did to, to look at it? Yeah, absolutely. So straight away, there's legislative environment, which is the law said it's got to be done. So that was an opportunity for us to go. So and you do went it. and looked at all the laws around why this is here and how. That was the that was the big thing about secure windows. It had to happen. It was a law. Mm-hmm. So that's why we, you know, a lot of people start, start a business, they're trying to break in. This was a new law that only just come out. There weren't many competitors in. So we had a massive advantage um, to sort of get into a, a market where there wasn't many competitors. It was all fresh and it had to happen by a certain point. Mm-hmm. So that was the main thing that sort of helped, helped us. But environmental analysis, analysis can even be as simple as the environment. If you're, a, if you're looking to get into agriculture or something like that, then it can be the weather. If you want to start a surfing business, then what is the environment? You're not going to go do it in a lake. You need to, you know, you need to be near the ocean. What would if you're a restaurant? Well, the environment. Okay. Well, who? Um, what are the laws in your street? Looking, looking at all of the uh, lockout laws so, in your region. So here. you're saying if you're a restaurant, look in that area. What's the environment in this area? How many people live in there? What's the density That's of right. living? How many other restaurants are there? Probably lockout laws as well. Um, you know, what time do you have to close? Mm-hmm. So you know, can you be open till twelve? Can you open till ten? Um, other factors, so COVID is a big one at the moment. Yeah. That's a massive environmental factor because okay. obviously that holds everyone back. The culture of an environment, um, is a sandwich shop in a posh suburb going to go as well or is five-star dining in somewhere that might be not might not be so... So what if you're a social media company uh, or a digital marketing agency? What's an example of environmental factors you'd look at? I would say certainly the different kind of tech platforms and as the digital environment changes itself... Okay, because the previous environment didn't even have, you know, 20 years ago there might not have been a digital environment for, you know, social media advertising. However, the environment changed which now created that opportunity. So what's the next environment going to look like? So it's privacy laws as well. If there's any sort of new laws around things, you know, like EDM campaigns, you can't just send out an email to anyone by grabbing it. You need to have them subscribe to your list as well. So just understanding the laws. Yeah. So so the environmental and as you, you look at the industry as a whole, and then you can actually look at in your also in your geographic location. Absolutely. It's just where are you going to operate and how are you going to operate in that space? Where and how you're going to operate in your space, in your industry. Where and how. And then you know, you know your end goal, you know where and how. Now you go, uh, who's going to take my ass out? Where yeah. are my threats at? <laughs> 100% because we've got to know where we're going to operate before we can understand what those threats within that space is. Mm-hmm. And and so the threats is basically your standard issue competitor analysis and are there any special spices you have in that analysis or it will run us through it? Well, look, at it, the threats can be diverse and it depends on, um, you know, potentially the government could even be a threat. Mm-hmm. Now, whereas legislation in the environment, how are we actually going to bring, um, now what, when we go through a risk profile and say, well, what actually could happen here and how we forecast that? You know, we try and think outside the box and where those threats come. Could it come from within even? So let's could say... It- Sorry, so could it be, you know, hospitality and they're about to bring in the lockout laws? Could mm. there be a new law that's going to well, pass? Wouldn't that be with, an environmental thing? 
It is as well, but you need to have a look at it from both sides because sometimes you might miss it. But yeah, it can be for both. But um, threat analysis is sort of something that I suppose there's no real definition for this. This is something that we've just molded because the definition for it is from the military side. But we makes, look at it from from yeah, both. It makes sense if uh, if I want to build a house and I choose a country cabin, right? I looked at my environment; it looks nice, but uh, yeah. there could be a bushfire. That's a threat. 100%. In my yeah. environment. So go. same with business. So how would you analyze an, an opposing business? How What would you look at for them? There is a there is like a threat matrix that the military has and we did use that. Um, what is it? It's it's quite it's quite similar to most sort of threat matrices. It's just you literally have, you know, the columns and then, you know, I can't remember the exact columns, but it'll be something like price point. Um, it'll be something like product. And it'll just be getting all the information you need. And then you can have all your competitors there in one sort of table. Mm -hmm. So that I can look down and I can go, all right, I know my competitors charge on average this price. Mm -hmm. So if I want to put myself at top of the market or below them, I need to charge this. So so you could – so essentially you would choose three to four key uh, – we'll call them metrics. It could be price. It could be demographic, target demographic. It could be geographic location. And it could be – service offering and then you would stack up let's say 10 potential competition in those four things to have an easy view uh, easy access view of of them and figure out where is there a hole in this in this um where is the hole in this market what can i feel what can i do different that makes me different absolutely the good thing about the military appreciation process for the business is it gives you some simple steps and guidance on points that you need to consider for your plan but these first three steps that we're going through, they're basically just understanding the situation around us and having a clear picture of what's going on before we start developing our different courses of action. Because unless we know what that current situation is, we're not going to have the good detail about how the different courses of action that we want to test is going to have that as an effect. Yeah, so understand what, what understand the playing field and now let's make our decision on what to do. That's right. So what we want to do is the next step is course of action um, – decision we actually come up with probably two or three very distinct different courses of actions that are they're feasible um, and they're very distinguishable from each other in terms of how the effect that they're going to have oh so you you always come up with around two or three options that you totally from. different options wow very cool i like that a lot yeah and it's, it's just a really good way because you know you almost sometimes might need to force yourself to come up with a third option but by doing that, then you can really analyze it because you know what straight away go, oh, this is the way I'm going to do it. And you've already got that in your mind and you have your blinkers on. So you don't even consider the other possibilities. So the idea is that you sort of need to make yourself consider the other possibilities um, so that you can really look at all options because sometimes your way might not be the best way. Yeah. And and also that, that doesn't have to just be for uh, starting a business. That could be for making any sort of decision within your currently operating business. For example, we want to add – a new marketing medium on. Okay, what's our environment? Right? What are the what's the industry doing? Where, where are, what are our threats? What are the competition doing? And you might say, okay, we can choose between LinkedIn uh, referrals and this. The benefits are this. The negatives are this. This we know what the competition. And you can choose. Okay, well, no, actually, I thought LinkedIn was the best. But referrals seems like it's going to be the best option. Well, we're still very deliberate about how we do that as well because after we've come out with our three different courses of action, we actually need to analyse them and see which one's the best. And there's a particular technique called wargaming that we actually do that. So, And we apply the same different um, wargame to each different courses of action. Now, it's really important at this stage to not be 
are overinvested in one or the other. You need to approach them neutrally. Which is harder than it sounds. It's hard, it? especially <laughs> if you're the one that's come up with the plan and Matt's come up with the other plan. We, it's very difficult not to fight for your plan. Mm. But we've got to come to it with a neutral state of mind, stick to the rules of the war game, which could be simply as action, reaction. Like if I do this, then what are you going to do? Mm. And then you do that, then what am I going to do? And we can test it. So there's a, there's a couple of different methodologies that we can use. Yeah, so what, what would they be? Give me an example. Okay, like so that, um, we can either group things. Um, in a, so let's just say we've got different lines of operation within a business, okay? We can focus on one of those lines of operation, like okay, marketing, sales, marketing sales marketing or something like that, and we can look at the effect of that one decision on that particular stream. Or we can build them, we can group them all together and we can look and we can analyse them how they affect all different parts of the business. So depending on the time and the level of detail that you've got is depending whether you stick with one of the sort of lines or whether you choose multiple. But in, but in order to decipher which choice is the best choice, you have to be comparing them towards the same figures yeah, per rules. se so how do you decipher what those figures are or it depends entirely on what we're talking about yeah. it just depends yeah i was supposed to give you an example with secure windows like something that we played with pretty much from the start was if we were going to get our locks from within australia or from overseas mm -hmm. and i suppose when you war game that you know you look at it and you go okay i'm getting my uh my locks from overseas now what could happen all right the locks might not rock up on time and so then pete would be like okay what happens if the locks don't rock up on time where are we going to get them from where are we going to get them from what are we going to do and so then you go through that and you sort of go um because wargaming isn't just about saying this plan's bad it's about finding holes in it and so then we might go okay we do want to get them from overseas but now we know we need to have a backup supplier in australia and funnily enough we didn't end up getting wow. from overseas we actually got them from within australia just because when we did wargame it the effort to get locks made and get them over there and get them back to Australia was going to cost too much. We didn't have the knowledge of it. It was probably the bigger thing as well. So we decided just to go with an Australian supplier. And then we were like, all right, what happens if he falls down? Okay, we need a backup. So we had a backup Australian supplier. But by wargaming it, you could come up with, you know, holes in the plan and then fix them because the idea would be that you'd have three or four people picking it apart and going, no, that's not real. You're not going to just go magically get locks from here. You, that doesn't, it doesn't just happen that way. So it really lets you analyse your plan and find holes and then fix them. Yeah, I love that. It's like it's you, you, you're you're wargaming. It's like playing a video game of it's like playing Call of Duty to execute a mission. Absolutely, yeah, you can identify. Oh shit, we went wrong there. You know, so you're really playing step step by step play on each person's idea well, to figure out to find the holes. Well, the way the military does it is actually like that. They will have sometimes a giant map that's built, built up and they'll have like, you know, icons of tanks and they'll be like, all right, what are we, we're going to send our tanks, you know, 10 Ks forward. What's the enemy going to do? Yeah. And then the enemy will be like, they're going to come out here. So those tanks are going to get attacked. So they might need soldiers with them and actually do it on that scale. So that's sort of where we try and do it to that level just to understand. I love um, that. You literally execute your plan as a game. As a game. Yeah. Okay. Let's find out. Let's, let's try survive. Let's get through yeah. this. Let's see what happens when things go wrong. And it really challenges the person that's come up with a plan to see how much redundancy they've got, what their considerations were, how well thought through their plan is, um, especially when you do it in the right spirit. So yeah. it's not there to destroy the other person's Key. plan in terms of cutting them down like from an ego perspective, mm. but again from that team perspective, we're all on the same path, but I'm going to challenge your plan and, and challenge how detailed you've got it for the greater good of all of us. Because if we have the same goal, the same we're on the same mission, we don't care whose plan wins as long Absolutely. as we all end up at the end. And so yeah. that should be the start of the meeting, I guess. You know? And that's why mission analysis always comes first because it's always our central aim. 
So when everything comes back to, it's like, what's our mission? Mm. And at that's any the end time, goal we're talking about. End goal. Yes. So vision and mission. Yeah, relating it back to that. I love this. And so you've done the war game. You, you well, this is the best one. Let's but, do it. Let's crack on then. So basically now we actually apply the plan in, into action. So that is the what's called the, uh, the military process. appreciation process. Military so it's called the map. So decision and execution oh, is this stage. Map. MAP. Okay. Yeah. So this last step is decision and execution. We say, right, let's decide course A, B, or C. Let's crack on. And then you execute. Execute. And you execute. End game, environment, threats, war game, execute. Yeah. Map. That's basically it. And you can apply that to any business. Like sim- simply Google it and just use it as a framework at least. So people can Google military appreciation. Plan. Absolutely. Love that. And do, do you got, what's your guys' website? Trust the, uh, www.trusttheprocess.com.au. Um, but we don't really have that on there. Maybe we should. Maybe no, we should, no, should well, have the, the MAP on there. People are lazy. <laughs> don't read it. Just call the boys and they'll fucking they'll organize <laughs> it for you. They'll help you do it. Awesome. Um, and and so that's the, that, that's the map. What about the – you mentioned it before – the uh, principles of war and how they relate to to business. Absolutely. If there's one thing that mankind has done well over the last 2,000 Kill years each other. is warfare, yeah. uh, it's probably the most studied thing um, out there, you know, in terms of an application of discipline. It would be, wouldn't it? Yes. War would be probably be the most studied topic of, other than maybe sex. Nah, it's probably <laughs> probably more than sex. Probably just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, basically there is um, nine key uh principles of warfare. So now that we've got our plan and we're actually at the testing phase, we can use these principles to to look for holes in the plan. Mm-hmm. So basically when you're at Duntroon and they give you a task and you come up with a plan, they'll just sit there with the list and I'll quickly go through them. Selection and maintenance of the aim. Okay, selection and maintenance of the aim. So is are we choosing the right goal and are we going to stick to it? Okay. Which is the most important It's part. the most important thing. So Align yeah. into your vision and mission most of the time with that. Mm-hmm. The second one is maintenance and morale. Now, this is simply how we manage our people because no matter how what path you're on, is are the people on the journey with you and how are you maintaining the morale of your team? Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many stories about how, you know, undermanned forces like um, Delta Company 6 RAR at Long Tan, a couple of hundred guys against a couple of thousand. How do those, how does the morale of that team stay true to the course to fight through? Um, the third one is offensive action, is always have a bias to be on the offense. So we, we even say retreat is an offensive action because all we're doing when we're, we're retreating is we're stepping back, we're consolidating our resources and we're preparing for the next opportunity to go on the attack again. It's, always, it's okay to retreat. It's just never okay to keep advancing towards defeat. Okay, so it's a really significant point. Um, uh, security. Um, this is really to apply security into business. It's do we have our insurances in place? You know, what are our are our tech platforms secure? Is my you know, do I have is my IP secure? IP, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we're soldiering, it's all about the security of the perimeter. You know, and, and are we protecting ourselves from all could, sides? could security in business be? Is my business um, defensible as a business? Absolutely. So, um, are you secure from a legal perspective? So, have you, how are you considering how are you secure from being disrupted or something? Yes, like that? I meant more yeah. that is my business strategy is is my business a defensible business? Is it easily replicated? Is it? Yeah, it's something Could that a we competitor speak about come in and take podcast. my market share easily. Yeah, 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 definitely. I Could think that that's, be in there? I think that's a, yeah, a really good add-on. Cool. Um, so I like to add to the. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> surprise is the next one. Like in the military, we always need surprise, but I think in business. 
is maintaining your cards close to your chest until you're ready to launch would be a very simple one, a new marketing plan, a new marketing strategy, new product release. Mm. You know, you're going to hold it out there and then you're going to release it at the right time. Mm. So there's surprise. Don't let there. everyone know exactly what you're doing. Don't, don't make it too. Absolutely. And that leads well into the next one, which is called concentration of force. So if we have a line of enemy, we're not going to spread ourselves thin across that line and try and take everybody at once. We're going to look for a very particular point of weakness that we can apply concentration of force and then break through. So that product development, that new sales strategy, how are we going to apply that at a particular point and then focus our efforts intentionally on it to break into the market and then secure ourselves on the other side of it? So really defining your market there as well. So, you know, you're not just trying to target everyone in the industry. Yeah. You know, you might go and target tradies or you might target yeah. something like that, that. that. That's what I took out of that. And also it's it's kind of like your um, – yeah, who you're targeting and what you're offering. Mm. You know, what you specific, it's kind of like your slogan yeah. in the sense of the most simple form of what you do. Yeah, I love it. Don't be all things to all people. What are you good at and focus on that? So mm. concentration of force. Um, the next one is economy of effort. This is Matt's favorite one. <laughs> so don't try and run at full speed all the time. You've got to have, you've got to spend your resources wisely so that you've got the reserves to apply them when you need it. You can't just go flat out all the time. And that's both from a personal perspective as well as a business perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, flexibility. So we always need to be able to adjust, you know, and as we've seen with COVID-19 at the moment, any, anyone that's not flexible, anyone who thought they were going to come in with their 2020 plan that hasn't been able to adjust or pivot somehow probably won't survive. Won't survive. And then the last one? Um, cooperation. So cooperation, this is, and this is um, you know, what CUB's about, it's what the Army's about, it's about collaborating with referral partners, about having the right relationships in business. And so you call these the nine key principles of war. Yeah, they're the principles of warfare. Yeah. Principles of warfare. And these are what's taught to you at the military school. Yeah, so yeah you'd have nightmares about being asked these questions. Is that class right? Class in front of everyone. If, if, you've, if you got one wrong... Flexibility was always the easiest. Everyone would just everyone has flexibility. Everyone would never security. never forget flexibility. But some why of the is that? Ones, I don't know. It's just easy. There's probably <laughs> what about offensive action? Let's relate that to business. What's business being offensive? Look, I think at the moment is looking for the opportunities that come around the corner, and it's about having the ability to seize the opportunities when they arise. Now, this can come through quite a few things, like potentially your the robustness in your business to be able to make rapid decisions. Um, and how we're always not settling for who we are. No, nothing changed. Look at Kodak, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world. How they settled, I feel, and they didn't have always an offensive spirit to, to seek the next year opportunity and to look for that next gap in the market. It's, it's kind of always be looking to grow. You, you look to move forwards. Don't Yeah, if you're not growing, you're getting left behind and yeah. so you're moving backwards. And growth in, in both size but also in – uh, as a business, in your model, in your innovations, in your kind of getting better. Yeah, I think that in, that word innovation is a key one. There is that how are we always looking not to sit on our you know, sit on our hands or rest on our laurels, but to look keep always have that bias for action in terms of exploiting that next opportunity that's coming. I think at the moment too with COVID, you know, it's no better time than ever to sort of get on get on the offensive. So obviously, there's a lot of people whose business has suffered. And they're on um, the defense. And they're on the defensive. But at the same time, if you're not using this t time to plan for when these things do turn around, because we're already starting to see it now, people are starting to spend. Mm. Um, people are, you know, there's a bit more hope. So if you're not using that time now, when things do, do come back, you might be left behind. And can you tell me the first one? Have we chosen the right goal? 
Now that's the most important one. How can you assure you've chosen the right goal? What's the process in, or what's a process in discovering what my goal should be? Yeah, well, I put I put the goal down. I relate that to being more about the vision and the mission because everything you do within your business should be related back to your vision because then you're not going to, if your vision isn't right and your mission isn't right, then you're not going to be able to sell your product. You're not going to be able to attract customers. So by making sure you do proper analysis on your vision and your mission and come up with the reason why you're doing what you're doing and then the reason and then how you're going to do it, you really won't set yourself up for success until you've done that. So the goal, you're saying the goal is not the vision or the mission. The goal is something different. Well, now I'd say it is. I'd say it is, The yeah. vision is how you as a business are going to change the world one day and the mission is how what are you actually going to do to achieve that so what's the goal it's the vision the goal is pretty much the mission i'd say yeah well, so the, the goal is the goal is the mission because the mission is what you want to achieve um and so i would put it i would put it in that that point because then to achieve that goal being that mission will allow you to sell your product it will allow you to make the money it will allow you to to make your impact and, and allow you to achieve your vision okay and what's the process you could do to, to choose the right one? So let's say CUB, right? A little CUB. Our vision is to unite Australia's entrepreneurs and leaders. Yeah. Uh, and our mission is to improve the entrepreneurial journey, to make it better and, and doing that by ensuring that you, you guys here today and, and all our members listening, have the right network and relationships needed to succeed. Needed I think it's got to come that. from the CEO. It's got to come from the founders. It's got to come from the, the heart of the business. Because in the end, in the absence of all decision, in the absence of all guidance, any one of the teams should be able to look at the vision and mission and understand what they need to do today. I think you hit it on the head with, with Cub's mission because like what you said, that is your goal. That is to improve uh, the entrepreneurs. I think that's what you said. Entrepreneurial journey, yeah. <laughs> improve the entrepreneurial journey. If you do that, you're achieving everything. If you are, you know, improving that journey, then you'll have more members, you'll have more people you know, getting around Cub, coming, joining up. How do you quantify that? I can't quantify that. I can't tell I can tell you, yeah, we're making money, we're doing well, but it's not a quantifiable end goal, right? If you're in the army, there is a clear end goal. We picked that dude up from his kidnapping in well, you guys have been deployed in where Afghan Afghanistan or hey, we picked that guy up from that house in the middle of the fucking desert and we brought him home. That's yeah. a clear, precise goal. That's not um, we save somebody. This is the balance between strategy, operations, and tactics. Okay, so the strategy, that is really the vision and mission. That's right out there. That's the big thing that we're looking to achieve as a company. Operations is more maybe that like the year plan, you know, the maybe the year plan or the three-year plan even. But tactics is what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to achieve this task. I'm going to tick off this thing. I'm going to you know, meet those targets that's the tactical in the weeds application of how we meet those one to three year goals of how we achieve the strategy or the vision and mission of the business. So how would you describe if militarily, yep. how do you get taught and what were you taught on how to yeah. describe strategy? I was going to break it down just a step back because okay, in, do that. in the army, the mission is the biggest thing when it comes down to having it described. So the mission in the army is is very, very descriptive and that shapes everything else. And so what's an example of a mission you guys were, if you're allowed to talk about them, yeah. what's what's a mission? What's one of the missions you, you did? What's an example of a mission? Oh, look, a really simple one would be three platoon. Your mission is to attack that hill Seeking. no later than this date in order to achieve this effect. So take an action by when? 
for this reason. Absolutely quantifiable. So it's something that's quantifiable that has to be achieved by a certain time to have a certain effect. Now, this can be tactical as well. So we're talking about tactical stuff here now, like the the abilities for small units or small parts of a team to achieve things. Mm-hmm. Okay, but you can even you can have the mission can spread through relative to the size of the team. So the Australian Army's mission is to simply win the land battle. Very, very simple statement. So it all which land battle? Um, well, that's the purpose of the army being here. Is if there's a land battle, we're going to win it. Okay. So, so if people come here, we're going to win this. Or, we, or even if we go there. If we okay. Go there, so win. I guess when we're looking at this, um, when we're breaking up vision and mission and applying it to business, stick to that bit where vision is how your enterprise or how your organisation is going to change the world, and then your mission is how, what are we going to do to achieve that. Now you can break that down into into subordinate team elements. And you might have your marketing team. You know, you might have your sales team or your finance team. So you can break it down, but as long as they feed into what the grand scheme is at the top, then we're all aligned. And so the mission in the army is the most important thing. Yeah. What, what's after the mission? Well, I'd say after well, after the mission would have to be just out looking after our people. Mm. Yeah, okay, so, so I'm thinking more of just as a, a set of orders. Uh, yeah. that have- and I, I want to talk more about people and management because I, I, I know that also today – I really want to get into mission command, right? But before we dive into that, I, I really, I'm really fascinated by the topic of strategy, end goal, and uh, missions and tactics. So I really want to know what they teach you in the military about strategy. Yeah, look, I, could, I think I can break that down in a different way for you and how we take planning into separate pieces. So, for example, we've got what's called current operations. And current operations is everything – and you can make these timeframes up relative to your own business, but it might be everything from zero to three months. So it's converting this sale, it's delivering this product, it's actioning that campaign, it's doing the stuff from day to day. Day to day stuff pretty much. Then what we have is we've got future operations. Now future operations probably won't come into effect for three to 12 months. Okay, but if we don't plan for those things today, they're not going to happen in nine months time. And this is where it might be creating a different product line or bringing on a, um, maybe you're planning today to bring on a new um, CEO in six months' time. So, But if I don't start planning for that today, it's not going to happen in six months' time. And it's separate to my current operations of doing the day-to-day business. And the third tier we have is, is planning. Actually, it's called plans. So plans is what are we going to do from 12 months, two years, three years out? Am I going to expand overseas? Am I going to open a, a different chapter in a different state? But if we don't do it today, it's not going to happen in two years' time. But they're all plans of action, right? They're all, okay, this is what we're going to do to do this. Before you know that, you need your strategy, no? You need your, this is the goal and this is our strategy to winning, That's to right. achieving that. And then you and then you implement what you, what you just mentioned. Is that correct? Or, I, I may yeah, be wrong. I'm is. just talking about no, it. No, no, you're right. And a lot of that is set up from government, to be honest. So they'll have like a white paper that will come out and they'll, they'll release that and that will filter down throughout the military. And so basically then the brigade will say, all right, um, so like where it comes to, to structural level, you have the brigade and then in the brigade you've got battalions and then in battalions you've got like companies and then you've got platoons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as an example, the brigade will have their own plan cell. Yes. And so they'll have their own current ops, they'll have their own future ops, they'll have their own plan cell, and they'll go, all right, in 20 months, 24 months' time, we want to do an operation over here. And then they'll come up with a plan and they'll disseminate that down to the staff and then they'll do their planning 
at the brigade, uh, sorry, at the battalion level, and then mm-hmm. go down and it'll filter down through all the way until it gets to the little little individual soldier or digger um, and they'll understand what they need to do from there. And they understand why they need to do that, how why. that fits in. Is that correct? Strategy relates to your why. So in business, it, I guess it's a personal decision for the CEO or the board or whoever, whatever that kind of structure is. But strategy is, okay, we have our vision. We know where we're going to. What's the strategy of how to do it? So I would say the strategy is the long-term space. It's the planning three to five-year space of how we're, how we're going to build a strategy to get there. Then we can break it down into more, you know, a 12, potentially 12-month 12 or yearly plans and then down into the weeds of current operations and what are we going to do today that's actually going to lead to that year plan that's going to lead to that three-year plan. So it's breaking it into bite-sized chunks so it's actually everything's achievable. Mm. End goal and then these are the steps we need to take to get to that. Yeah. So, yeah, the military might be like, all right, we they do a big you – know, the military's really big on like crawl, walk, run type thing. So they'll be like, we want to do a battalion defensive operation. But to do a battalion defensive operations, all the platoons need to be able to do a platoon defensive operation. So they'll say, all right, in six months' time we want to do this. And so the companies then will know, implied that they need to do – step up tasks and, and they call that crawl, walk, run. Why do they call them companies? It's because oh, the companies are uh, a group I don't know. of people. <laughs> it's probably just an old tradition. Yeah, look, it's, it's, um, it's just like how we are the building blocks. Yeah. So a section is about 10 guys. A platoon is about 30 guys. Um, three platoons in a company is 100 guys. You know, f- four or five companies to a battalion, you know, three battalions to a brigade. So it's how they break so up the different yeah, the different. It's groups. just the building blocks that break yeah. up. Until like the uh, Roman armies used to have the yeah. century and the Absolutely. You know, all that yeah. type of stuff. A, centuri- a centurion. What was like, it? Yeah. yeah, there was the leader of the century which had eights, whatever they were, and yeah. they were made up of 3,000 people or yeah. whatever it was, down to the group of 12, which I can't remember what that was called. But it's that's, just the building blocks yeah. that we work on. Yeah, it's really cool. I like the idea of it. And so obviously in the military – there is high pressure. There's a lot of fear, I'm, I'm going to assume as well. Is what you're doing is scary stuff. It, it relates not just to your immediate um, brothers and sisters in the army but also to, to your loved ones at home. And So management of people would probably be, other than goal setting, would probably be the second most important thing you know, because if you don't manage the people correct, you can't achieve the goal. And, and so what's this thing we called mission command? Yeah, look, this is – got to going back to your point earlier in terms of lessons learned, this is probably one of the favourite things that I've taken out of the military. So mission command basically talks about how you can get your team to achieve tasks based on an effect or your intent rather than giving them direction how to do it. So I could, for example, say to you, um, go down to the shop and buy me some lunch um, and while you're there, I want you to go out the door, I want you to cross, turn left, turn right, cross the road, press the button, et cetera, and give you all the micro detail, which you're, if you're a smart, intelligent person, you're going to be like, geez, why is the boss you know, on my case to, to micromanage me? Okay, whereas if we're looking at mission command, we want to say, look, what I'd love you to do is, I'd, for example, for an event, I want you to go out and set up an event that's going to have this kind of effect on my audience. I want it to be high class. I want it to create this kind of feeling for the room. Go away, come up with a plan, come back to me in a day or two and tell me what that plan is and then I'll give you guidance from there. So what it does is it really pushes decision-making down to the lowest levels where the people that are actually going to complete the task have courage and ownership of building the task. So instead of saying, you know, I want this, this amount of crystal and all this fine detail to set up your event, 
If you've got great smart you know, people, go get them to create the plan for you but then you main control. You can maintain control because you always get the ability to adjust the plan on the back brief. So it's kind of like what you said before. You said um, like a mission. It's like giving them a mission. And, and you said before that a mission uh, will have uh, the action when it needs to happen and what will, the result we need to re- achieve from Effect. it. Yeah. Effect. So you're giving someone a, their own mission, saying this is your mission. It's not the mission of the company. It's, it's your mission. This is how it relates to the mission of the company. Go create, go create a plan. This is what the mission is. This is the action. This is what needs to happen. This is when it needs to happen. And this is the result we need. Go figure out how that's going to work and come back with a plan rather than saying, here's the plan, go do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really empowers the individual as well because it lets them really take ownership of what, of what you're doing. And you've seen it so many times where, you know, people complain about being micromanaged. Um, and not only that, but it also removes the burden on the business owner because it's not you having to think of everything. You know, you empower your staff. They come back to you with an idea and you can still tweak it. You still have control. You can still say, no, that sucks. Come back to me with something else. Fix it here, here, and here. But you have that opportunity and it allows you to really free up your time so that you're not focused on having to do and plan and come up with everything. And I guess the most crucial factor to that is having competent and capable teams. Absolutely. But it's also a great way to test your team as well. So it's always, I believe, one of my um, tenets is to give somebody a little bit more responsibility than you think you can, they can handle and see how they go because they might just surprise you. Mm. So if you give them that opportunity, what it also does is it allows, us to, um, it allows them to take initiative and there's a saying in the army that no plan survives first contact with the enemy because everything always goes wrong. You can plan as much as you like, but things will change that you didn't consider. It's like Mike Tyson, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> that's Same exactly, thing. That's exactly yeah. right. So, but if your team member knows exactly the intent of what you're trying to do and the effect you want out of it, you're effectively giving them courage to create initiative and to find a different path without having you to come back and saying, you know, very autocratically saying, oh, this went wrong, what should I do? And you're just like, come on, can't you think of a better solution? Yeah. So it's a formal way to actually um, drive decision-making down to the lowest possible level to accelerate the decision-making cycle. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And is there a way that you like to implement that or is there a process? Is that something you guys teach as part of what you do? Look, it's not something we teach but we get asked about it all the time so it's probably something we should start teaching. Yeah, we, we teach it as of now. <laughs> as, as of right now. As of yeah, right now. It'll be on the website. That tomorrow. always happens. 9.95. I, I was talking to one member. I was like, do you actually provide that as a service? He was like, no. Nah. I was like, well, I'm going to start providing this service if anyone wants it. <laughs> we discover a lot of shit in this show. And guys, um, is there any other topics you'd like to talk about before we start wrapping up? Yeah, I guess our big pet topic at the moment is having lived the path from being soldiers into small business people, uh, we're lo- really looking forward to support that for others uh, and we're just about to launch the Veteran Community Business Chamber. Oh, that's right. That's what we wanted to talk about. The Wait, we had the BCBC. BC. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so um, you know, through our work with Secure Windows, we were actually fortunate enough to win the Prime Minister's Veteran Employment Award for small to medium-sized business wow. for, for our efforts with employing veterans. And it was something that we didn't really seek out to do. It just sort of happened. Um, you know, they're um, – Veterans are amazing, amazing workers. I definitely encourage anyone if they have a choice between a veteran and not a veteran, if they've got the same skills, definitely go up the veteran. You won't be disappointed. Um, but through that, we really were um, exposed to a lot of government level chats around transitioning defence members. And, and in that, we realised that all the discussions were around going out and getting a job. There was no real chat around going out there and starting your own business. And so that's basically where the Veteran Community Business Chamber was born. And, and from there, we've just, you know, we, we 
like you do with any idea, you plan it for a while, you think about it. You did you run it through your process? <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Of course, of course. We MAP'd it. Good. MAP'd it. And, and then from there, finally, you know, after, you know, a few months, probably even a year, uh, we actually are at the stage now where we're, we're close to launching. Amazing. So you guys are starting this. Yeah, we're so so with all with everything else that we've got going on, we're throwing another thing on like co-founder, co-CEO. Yeah. But it's really this is our giving back to the community. Um, look, if we were to look at the greatest veteran-founded business in Australia is Qantas. You know, we had five guys who had some skills they learned in the military, basically saw an opportunity and they're like, why does the train tracks end at Longreach? I could use those skills, I could buy a plane and I could, you know, utilise that opportunity to go somewhere. Then look what's come out of that, an absolute icon in terms of Australian. Hey, well, you don't have to convince me. I'm the number one advocate for Australian business and entrepreneurs. Yeah. The more entrepreneurs in this country, the better as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned and, and uh, I'm a massive fan of, of our incredible people like yourselves in the military and all the, uh, all the things the military teaches you. I, I think that uh, I always compare business to uh, – do you want to hear something someone really, really, really smart told me once? He said – he said uh, – a bit of a great mentor of mine. He said that businesses – oh, fuck, I've got to remember exactly what he said now. <laughs> business – I understand the concept, but businesses are – the modern day armies, right? Back in the day, uh, governments used to send soldiers into countries to conquer, capture the gold, take the army and, and create power. These days, the, the most powerful um, countries are creating businesses. America has the biggest businesses. They send their, how do you send it? Instead of sending troops, they send logos. They send <laughs> logos out and the logos get the money of that economy and bring it back into your economy and, and, and grant you more, more power, create a bigger and more powerful country. And, and that, that's something that always, always um, I, I love the thought of it. You think of it, entrepreneurs and modern-day soldiers, they, they're out there fighting for our country to grow it, to create more jobs, more goods and services, to create a bigger economy so that we can have more support to those in need. To, to, they do everything better. And that's a really, really cool – fuck, I'd love to end this podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, but, uh, and so what's your goal with the – VCBC. VCBC. Look, our first, what's your mission? Our mission, okay, our, our vision first. Yeah. Our vision is to unleash the potential of the veteran community through entrepreneurship. Love that. And our mission is to provide profitable businesses that allow veteran community a sense of purpose. What does that mean? Okay, so one of the tough things about transitioning is what who you are and what you're going to do in your next life. And it's this sense of purpose that really, you know, um, leads to a struggle with mental health, et cetera, on the other side. Now, one of, our, um, one of our mentors and one of our board directors, um, General Caligari, always says PTSD is actually post-team separation disorder. Wow. So what it is actually, what we're looking for is to help people that have left that life find a new purpose through small business. And just to break that down a bit too, just for people who don't understand, when you're in the military, like I said before, it's this massive team. You know, you've got your mates, you're posted, sometimes you all live on barracks together. You belong. You belong. And, and then all of a sudden when you get out, you might leave the area, you might go back home and, and you're removed from that. And like I said before, if you do bump into anyone, it's not like they ostracize you because you get out. It's not like that at all. It's just because, you know, you've moved on. So it's very easy then to have this immense focus where you're, you know, always working towards this end goal to getting out of the military and then all of a sudden you're like, well, who am I now? And so not being able to really have that purpose really can affect a lot of people. And that's something that, you know, just through our own experience, we've seen a lot and talking to other veteran entrepreneurs. 
Well, how does your mission relate to that? What's it saying? It's saying that we're going to help. Through we're going to help um, veterans find their purpose. Help veterans find their purposes through profitable in business. businesses. Yeah. Through businesses. Through, yeah. through profit. I like that a lot because they need to be profitable. Although I think you should change the mission because I'm still confused, but I understand the point of it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. brilliant. So you're helping veterans find purpose through business. Absolutely, Basically. because we're not about this analogy of you know veterans are broken and like there's there's people that have um, you know gone through a lot and there's people that are out there that are that are doing it tough. But if you had uh, someone come from another part of community in a job interview, and they mentioned because of their previous role, um, you're not straight away going to presume some of their medical conditions or personal conditions are going to affect their role. And same with soldering. You know, like you may have been through some challenging circumstances, but it doesn't mean that it's going to you know. I, should identify or really brand who you are for the next chapter of your life. Mm. But you've got some great qualities for doing it. I would far before hire someone that's been in the military before someone who wasn't the same way I would much prefer give my business and all the members give their business to other cub members as opposed to someone who's not a cub member. You're, you're part of that. You know, these are good people. Mm. We're looking after each other. Exactly right. And just to wrap up, do you want to share one last thought, tip, lesson each with the listeners with the listeners yeah i suppose for me it's just embracing your past funnily enough when me and pete both got out of the military we didn't turn our back on it but we just were like cool that's a chapter done you know whatever that's now a businessman all good and you know we made a lot of mistakes when we got into business and the mistakes we made we probably knew the answers to through our military career and it wasn't until we reflected back we sat down we had a big discussion and we're like we're not doing a lot of this stuff that we were taught in the military why are we not doing it and then we implemented that into the business and we pretty much, you know, we grew by like times 10 in 12 months and it was amazing. And, and by really, you know, learning from what we already knew and implementing, we made such massive changes. So I suppose my point is just embrace what you know and don't be afraid to use what you've learned in the past. Yeah, your past has many of the answers for your future. Yeah, for mine it's pretty simple. Um, within the military we talk about the duty, your duty a lot. It's either your duty to your mates or your duty to the battalion or the country. In business, I believe it's your duty to delegate, okay, because you are probably the obstacle in the way of your own business success. And the number one thing you'll do to actually get that out the way is to delegate. Um, what you need to be doing is leading teams, is planning strategy, is being able to um, focus on relationships, not doing admin, not getting in the weeds. So, But there's ways that you can delegate with control and trust. Um, you know, give your people a little bit more responsibility than you think they're capable capable of, and hopefully they'll surprise you. I love that, guys. I've learned so much from this from this chat. If you can't tell from my five thousand <laughs> notes I've written down here, I love the the MAP. But I actually think one of the things that I took most from this chat was in talking about the example mission that you got from the military. Was uh, this is the action that needs to be taken? This is when, by when it needs to be taken by, and this is the result we need. I think if every single thing you look at has those, has has those three things, and then you can run through the MAP and yeah. and have okay, well, what are the different ways we can do this action? What are the three different options? And then you uh, war, war game it. I think that's a huge. We're going to be war gaming the shit out of the whiteboards at Cab. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll come and play. We'll play some. Uh, yeah, we'll play yeah, on run around. Yeah, get mad. some cams and yeah, uh, we'll run get around. Some, <laughs> we'll, we'll Face paint. Wicked, we'll, yeah, we'll have a paintball <laughs> fight in the club. Yeah. Let's end it there before we get silly. To our 
Amazing listeners, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And guys, thank you once again for your time and um, for your efforts for our country, for your efforts uh, in business, and now for your efforts that are going to be for the uh, military community finding new purpose in, in business. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Cheers, mate. Thanks.